this episode of the Highlander Podcast, we talk with Corey Williams, Senior Product Developer for Cotopaxi, a Salt Lake City-based company making gear for good. We discuss what a product developer does, the importance of sustainability, and how she makes products that matter. Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. This is Chase Anderson, and today I'm joined by Corey Williams uh, from Cotopaxi, a senior product developer at the company. Thanks for coming up in the smog, driving up in the smog to visit campus and uh, have a conversation sure about thing. product development. Thank you so much for having me. Sure. Thanks for being here. First of all, um, w- what is Cotopaxi? We had a previous podcast with yeah. Ben Doxy, one of your coworkers here. Yay, ben. Um, would love to hear uh, your thoughts on the company and your experience so far, and then we can get into what your role is. But yeah. what is Cotopaxi for those who don't know? Cotopaxi. Oh my gosh, like no pressure. Um, Cotopaxi to me and to most people is an outdoor adventure and gear company. So we um, specialize in outdoor gear like tents, backpacks, sleeping bags as as well as apparel. So anything that will like get you outside or on your next adventure. And the best part is that um, we're also B Corp certified. So a lot of Um, what we do goes back to our own internal foundation to help others in need. Um, And we use a lot of things like repurposed fabrics, so um, we focus a lot on sustainability. That's awesome. You guys have a really cool company. You're based in Salt Lake. Yes. Um, I, like, I helped out a little bit, like worked for the company a little bit, like That's doing awesome. like field marketing, guerrilla yeah. marketing kind of stuff early on, like early days. And it's like so cool to see how much it's grown, uh, not only here in Utah, but like across the country. Oh right? my gosh, I know. Dude, yeah. I was in Tokyo um, a year ago and we were in the subway and someone was wearing one of our bags and it was the coolest moment of my life. I'm not even kidding. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, cool. Along those lines, I'm jumping the gun a little bit, yeah. but um, as a product developer, you're involved in the product development process process product creation yes. process what is uh what's a product developer do <laughs> and what do you do at, at Cotopaxi totally I feel like this is always such a hard question and I always stumble on it because my family to this day still says oh yeah you're a designer and I'm like no but thank you um so I always try to explain what a product developer does and I think like the best way to explain it is that you're the person kind of holding all of it together so you're a huge part of the triad and and the design itself but your job is to believe and communicate in the design and relate it to relay that to the factory to make the best quality product bring it to life in a timely fashion and at a good cost so that the company makes money that's awesome yeah that's a good good (laughs) summary thanks Um, one of these days people will remember remember that so you mentioned this earlier, seeing product out in the wild. I was going to ask this later on, oh, but sure. do you remember your first experience, like seeing a product that you helped create or Ooh. were a part of, like out in the wild? That is such a good question. I mean, I feel like I kind of answered it with like the Tokyo thing. Like that was amazing. Okay. But one of, the, I mean, specifically to Cotopaxi, when I came to Cotopaxi, my family was really excited for me, like way more excited than they ever were when I worked at Adidas. Um, and they send me photos all the time of things that they see just throughout, um, the Northwest cause they're from Portland. And then my cousins in San Diego do the same thing. So I think people like in general are really excited about the brand. And so it's really cool to see like my family and friends sending me photos, right. which is like kind of random. That's but really cool. It's really exciting. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, do you mind talking a little bit about your, your history as a product developer and kind of your journey? Like what led you to a career working in the outdoor industries, sports totally. and outdoor industries? And like, 
what drove you to product development to, to begin with? Yeah, um, I feel like I have to talk about who I was as a kid to answer that question, mostly because my parents were two foresters. So I essentially grew up in the middle of nowhere, Oregon, Washington and New Hampshire. Um, like at one point we were making maple syrup from our trees in our backyard. Um, and I grew up in 4-H sewing and just always making things. And I was always super creative. Um, so I had that part of me. And then I also had this other part of me that just like was always outside. Like my childhood was always just like getting lost in the woods in the best way possible. Um, and I went to the Art Institute of Portland. We moved to Portland my senior year of high school. And during that time, I basically just made clothes all the time my senior year of high school. And then found out that that was actually like a job you could do. I had no idea. Like, we all wear clothes every day, and you don't realize that, like, that can be a career. Um, so I was really lucky because I found the Art Institute when my senior year, and I was so excited to go that I didn't even have summer break. I just went right into school. Mm. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, throughout my time there, I was really focused in design, but I had someone come in and talk to our class who did product development for Nike and she was just so passionate about what she did and being the person that really gets to like hold it. It's a, you're almost like, like the glue where you like hold it all together and you really, you get to be that person that comes to your designer with a package and it's like, guess what I, what, guess what just came in today? Oh my gosh, look at how awesome this looks. And like, there's nothing more exciting than that. So um, yeah, I worked at this like tiny little knitwear company in Portland called Suchi, which was the most amazing experience. And I learned everything from how to link a sweater how to knit a sweater, um, shipping sweaters, how to manage a production line, how to like figure out how much you should make in each day. And that really led me to kind of go more towards like the development side. And then went through um, from there Pendleton, which was amazing. And then Adidas for five and a half years for product development. And then um, most recently here in Utah at Cotopaxi. That's amazing. It was very long-winded. No, that was great. <laughs> well, um, do you have any, I don't know, what what was your experience at each of these companies? Because, um, like, Pendleton, I, I toured their yeah. their uh, their facility um, at one point, and just, like, super old school, yeah. like, um, just a historic company. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you go to Adidas that's so different, like, on its <laughs> own, and then Cotopaxi. Like, what was your different experience at each of these companies? Oh, my gosh, that's such a good question. Um. I mean, when, so when I was at Pendleton, I learned what the difference was between a designer and a developer. And I remember at the beginning kind of struggling with it because I was like, but I want to design these things. And then I realized that I had this like really special ability to be creative and also really organized, which isn't always the case. And so I think I'm kind of like right brained and left brained or whatever you want to call it. So I found out that I could use these like technical skills to really help my designer. So that was really cool. And um, yeah, it is very family based there, but it's it's has this like really like small family feel, which I really liked. Um, but I just like needed to grow a little bit more. Um, Adidas was a whirlwind and I can't believe that I went was there for five and a half years. Like sometimes that feels like it was a really long time and sometimes it feels like it went by in a blink of an eye. Um, I don't even know. Your question was like, what was the experience there? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Or like main takeaways, I guess. My main takeaway from Adidas. This is so dorky. Um, Process, calendars, 
costing, like the importance of all of those things as as kind of boring as they sound, you can make them really exciting because those are the things that make your product sell and make it on time and um, make it possible, as well as the factory relationships that I had there. Because I worked with probably like 15 different factories when I worked there, and I'm still friends with a lot of the merchandisers like on Instagram. So that relationship that you can build with your cross-functional team and then your factory partners is something that I cherish. Like I I cried when I left Adidas because I was sad to lo- like leave my factory partners and some of my cross-functional team. What what silly. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> I I think I was going to ask like you build a bond with with the factory that yeah. you work with, right? And and I think one of the things that I think people forget is like there's people on the other side that oh are making gosh, yes. things, right? And um you you mentioned this earlier, um, you know, in what the seminar that you were giving earlier. But I don't know, like your factory is a critical piece of the puzzle, mm-hmm. right? And so you need to treat them like a partner. Do yes. you have thoughts on that and oh your gosh. experience in doing that? Maybe yes. times when that didn't happen and times when it did, and yeah. and what that led to. Um, yes, I mean, from an early stage, I think that I had this connection to the factory because when I worked at Suchi, I was linking the sweaters. So in no means was I working in a factory overseas. Um, I just want to be super clear on that. But I had this really small taste of what it felt like to have to make product on a deadline and not have enough time for it. And also before, like, be have to make something as fast as you can, but the best that you can. So I had this, like, I don't know, empathy towards people who had that as a job. And then working at um, Adidas, it was just overwhelming, like, the relationship that we could grow with them. And I saw it both sides. I saw people who were like, no, like I tell you what to do and you do it and you don't ask me if you can do it a different way. And that's kind of a sad but realistic way that some people work. And I just knew that's not what I was going to do because to be completely honest, they know way more than I do. Mm -hmm. Like the factory knows so much more than I do. They're experts and they're there to help us and build amazing product if you use it as a resource and treat them as a team. So I just found that if I could connect with them and really get to know them and um, I sort of like at Adidas became the person known for adding smiley faces all the time in my emails to the factory (laughs) and then they would meet me and they would be like yep I get it (laughs) (laughs) Um, and going there to the factories with them like I used to go on two to three development trips a year and it was just just the most amazing experience just like learning who they were why they had that as a job um the struggles that they had because it was their job and the things that they were passionate about it just it always stuck with me and I just I think about that every time I send an email and a request for them maybe it's like a crazy request and I'll be like hey I need a sample in two weeks I don't ever just say that because they're working really hard and if not harder than all of us and so I really want to respect that and always give them like context for what I'm doing so is that typical within the industry or do you, is that abnormal? Which that, that that people developers see their factory as a partner and treat them that way. Um, I feel like it's yes and no because I've seen a lot of, of developers just establish an amazing relationship with them, um, and I've seen others not so much. I would say it's probably more common for your developer to really understand and appreciate them because you're working with them every day. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it's one of my main jobs is to relay how important they are and what they do every day to the rest of my team at home because that's not what they're doing every day. And so if they don't understand the pressure they're under or the lives they live, then really it's kind of like my fault too because I'm not explaining that to them. And 
then they're more apt like if I can uh, like explain that to them they're more apt to understand what they can and can't do and why certain things are hard and other things aren't right yeah, I I, th I feel like I'm going to get into, like, the philosophy of Ooh, design yes, and product right here. But <laughs> it seems like the designer is supposed to be thinking about, like, the consumer, mm -hmm. right, and how they're going to interact and, like, have empathy for the consumer. Yep. Whereas, would you say the, the developers, they're mm -hmm. kind of to act as, oh, we have, and you mentioned this earlier, yeah. have empathy for the factory and the yeah. process and how yeah. this thing actually is created. Yeah. So those two things working together, yes. they work well. You can build amazing product. And I think... It's kind of sometimes a hard place to be as a developer because you have to actually have empathy for every single person. You have to understand the wants and needs of your designer and the emotions. You have to understand those same three things of your um, merchandiser, your PLM. You have to, and then you also have to understand that from the consumer side as well as the factory side. So it becomes kind of like hard because you have to balance everybody's needs and everybody's wants and at the end of the day, everyone's emotions because we all have emotions and it can be hard because you you can't just go to one side. So you always have to bring it back to like the most fact-based, um, I guess, like way of going about it. Right. How do you sense. how do you fight? Well, maybe you can clarify if you feel like there is a perception that the developer is the one that says no. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Do, is there a perception there? I think there's a perception, but I also think that it, there's a truth to it. Okay. So and like, sorry, all you developers out there, I love you, but... There is a truth to it. Yeah. So how do you fight the negative perception and like turn no <coughs> into actually the developer understands like what your capabilities and, and the mm -hmm. potential is like mm -hmm. at the factory and like yeah. how a product actually comes together. Like how do you turn it from like a negative into a positive? Yeah. So I'm super glad you asked that question because I'm really passionate about this subject. Um, I think that it really is about as a developer how you show up every single day and I think it's understanding what your role is on the team and having the best attitude. And when I say that, it's like showing up every day and being passionate that you're the person bringing the style to life. You may not be designing it, but you're a huge part of it. But that doesn't mean you get to like, like, I hate being the dream crusher. I think that's like the worst way to go about it. Like just because you're you're busy or you're overworked, you just don't, you don't say no. So one of the biggest things for me, and I talked about this with my manager yesterday, is it's not about being a yes person. It's about being a can-do person because the answer is not always going to be yes. Um, but the answer should always – like if somebody asks you a question and your designer wants to do this or they want to do that, no, in no way should you ever just be like, no. Your job as a developer is to problem solve. Like mm -hmm. that's what you are. You're a problem solver. And if you can take a pause and really think about what they're asking you and come up with like three different solutions for it, then it's always like, okay, I hear you. I hear that you want to bond that scene. Let's maybe think about some other ways that we can get that look because that may or may not cost in. Or maybe that's like the fa not the factory's best capability and we shouldn't send that down a production line. Right. Where a lot of other people might just be like, no. Or um, we've tried that. Like this thing used to happen all the time where designers would be like, hey, we really want to try this new technology or we really want to try this. And a lot of times I would hear my team say my development team say well we've already tried that and my answer to what my question would always be like when did you try it He's like well last year cool try it again because like things are always changing and they're you have to be like passionate about wanting to find a solution and wanting to make things work and I feel like if that's the type of person you are then you're gonna love development if you don't like that you're not gonna love it right <laughs> so we get we get people who listen to this are you know, are 
product designers, developers, but also just people who love the outdoors and mm -hmm. love outdoor recreation. Um, so what would you like someone who's just an outdoor enthusiast, who's not a designer or developer, just a consumer, what would you like consumers to know about product developers and their like mm -hmm. connection to the product? Like, because I, I imagine a lot of people buy a product and just think, oh, some de like a designer made this, mm -hmm. if that. Like maybe people just think, oh, it's this is a thing that I buy. But yeah. what would you like like your average consumer to know about like a developer's impact sure. on that end product? Oh my gosh. So that people can walk away and yeah. like appreciate, wow, someone who has a really cool skill set like made this thing. Totally, that's made really. Made it happen. I think one, I want people to know that it takes a, a feel, like a team of people mm -hmm. um, to make something and to bring something to life. Like one time I, I actually like sat down and tried to think about how many hands touch a product before it goes into the store. And I think it's hundreds. Um, but I think from the development side, something that we really bring to the table is quality and um, just like thought, well thought out um, seam construction or seam placement or um, really trying, like one of the things I'm really passionate about is trying to get you the best like bang for your buck, like lack of a better word is, you know, this is our target margin and this is what we're gonna sell it for, but I want you to get the most quality and um, performance out of that piece. So finding little things, whether it's doing a certain seam construction this way, or, oh, we sent it through testing, so we know this thing is gonna perform for like forever. Um, those are some of the things I'm super passionate about. Um, yeah, I don't know, testing is really important to me. <laughs> right, well, there's a lot Field of- Field testing. Yeah. It just seems like there's a lot of love and care that goes into these products. There is, they almost sort of become your babies. <laughs> yeah, well, and that's why I asked, like, what was the first one that you saw out in the wild, right? Oh that, gosh, that you yeah. was Whether that was at Pendleton or Adidas or- Oh, yeah. <gasps> do, you, do you remember? The first thing I ever saw, oh gosh, it was probably Adidas. Oh my gosh, I know what it was. So is this, it's called the Performer Tight. And I remember I was still pretty new and we were making this tight that had this fold over waistband that had this breathable, stretchy, bonded membrane in it so that you didn't have to put elastic or more power mesh in it. And you mm. like eliminated all these seams on the inside. And for some crazy reason, I was this new developer there and they, and they had all these other people to go to and they gave it to me as a project. And I was just like, oh my God, this is crazy. Um, and we had so many issues. We had all these quality issues with the fabric and we were supposed to bring it to, to um, production or uh, in six months, and it was Christmas, and we had to go into production in maybe, I don't know, two weeks. And anyways, lots of phone calls, figured out the fabric issue, all this stuff, and I remember when those launched, I went into our employee store at Adidas, and it also happened to be the first product of mine that I worked on that launched, and I just went in and I just like took pictures with my, like, myself in the, in the tight, and I just was so excited. And they launched it really big, and it was it was really cool. It was a really awesome thing to be a part of. That's amazing. Yeah. I, I wish more people like knew that side of it, yeah. like the excitement that goes into like yeah. this thing launching, or like the problems that you solved. Mm -hmm. Like, oh my gosh, that fabric was falling apart when you put it on. It was, and I think a lot of people could have and would have just given up and said, no, this needs to go on a regular eighteen month calendar. Right. But figured it out. Right. <laughs> so I'm going to take this a little bit different direction. So okay. you've spent time at some very different companies, but yeah. you know, between, uh, what, what was the name of the first company Suchi. that you worked with? Suchi, yep. Pendleton, Adidas, Yeezy within Adidas, and now Cotopaxi. Mm -hmm. um, this is kind of like a market level, like high level question, okay. but um, you went from like sportswear, streetwear, hype, yeah. all that <laughs> to outdoor, 
and like you know streetwear is like not traditionally very sustainable no, right and it's, it's built not. on like getting the latest thing and mm-hmm. um and that works for some people so i'm not like trying to pit them against each other but yeah. um cotopaxi is and outdoor is all about sustainability and mm-hmm. um and sustainability takes a lot of different forms whether that's like a more durable product mm-hmm. that you buy one of or something that can break down you mm-hmm. know there's a lot of different thoughts there but how has that transmission transition been for you going from like you know almost fast fast fashion yeah. like hype mm-hmm. cycle to sustainability in the outdoors it's honestly been the best thing that i've ever done in my life um and don't get me wrong everything that i did at adidas was amazing and it's why i'm here today um but when i was on yeezy it was an, it was an insane amazing experience and i'm so grateful and so thankful to have been chosen to be a part of it so i learned a lot um but while, while I was on there, I just really started thinking about who I was and the type of person that I wanted to be. I traveled a lot to our factories and I saw everything that we were asking of them. I saw a lot of waste and like, you know, hundreds of samples being made that never saw the light of day. Um, and I just sort of like started getting this like pit in my stomach when I was, when I was working there. And um, I knew I needed to find something different that aligned with my values, but I still like on the flip side, it was this like really weird internal conflict because I love what I do. And it's this like really crazy thing because at the core of what I do, I'm, I help make product, right? So I'm still making things. Um, and so I just sort of had this thing where I was like, wait, like I'm going out in the outdoors all the time and this is where I feel the best. What if I combined what I do in my personal time with, my job and is that possible and um I just researched like crazy different companies and I remember I found this article about Davis and this company that he founded and I just remember I remember I was like drinking my coffee at home on a weekend and I was just like I'm gonna work there (laughs) and I just um did some LinkedIn stalking and never gave up and came to Cotopaxi and it's I got the opportunity to be at Cotopaxi and it's the most amazing thing because I know that at the end of the day the apparel industry and the product industry isn't in itself sustainable Mm -hmm. there's no way you can continue to create more and more product but the cool thing is I get to be a part of something that is making a difference and making things better and is also spreading word about hey did you know that like ton like tons of yards of fabric and trims get burned and thrown away every year and no one cares and no a lot of people don't even know and the cool thing is that we get to design product out of that so I feel like I've found this balance from of like this passion that I have for the apparel and product industry as well as product development and making product for the the outdoor industry and which I love as well as like finding this balance for not just creating more and more stuff that doesn't mean something right yeah, we, we talked about this a little bit, and I'm starting to s- – and I'd love your thoughts on it. Yeah. We're starting to see almost, I don't know, the beginnings of, like, the hypification yeah. of the outdoor industry. And, like, there, there's outdoor influence that's going into, like, streetwear, mm-hmm. certainly. But I'm, yep. like, talking, okay, like, this idea of, like, limited run, limited mm-hmm. edition mm-hmm. kind of stuff is, like, starting to come into the outdoor industry. But I think um, companies like Patagonia, um, Filson we talked about mm-hmm. – are like taking that and going a different direction. Yeah. And I, I think a really positive direction yeah. where it's like, cool, we could, 
release limited product, but let's make it out of like upcycled stuff. Totally. Stuff that was otherwise going to go to waste. Exactly. So I think that's the beauty of the industry. Is there anything that you see that's positive or do you see the industry trending, like maybe taking some of the bad of like that, uh, like fast fashion? Do you see that trickling into yeah. outdoor? Do you see like more positive than negative? I see more there? positive than negative. And I think the reason is that most of us that I think work at in outdoor brands or even people who probably attend like this course here, you have an ultimate passion and love for the outdoors. So I think you just have a different understanding for um, kind of the products that you want to be out in the world and what's happening to the world itself. Um, I think things that we try to do at Cotopaxi are always what can we do from these unused things or uh, wasted product or um, I don't know, just like the project we're going to do later today with um, repurposing bags that may or may not have been the best design or quality. Um, just always trying to think of different things that we can do. I know Ben, one of our designers, is always working on this, and he's always searching for remnant fleece for our Teco Fleece program, and he gets, like, called by different fabric people to, like, hey, do you want to use these, like, old jeans that never sold sold in um, Japan? Hmm. And he's so passionate about it that he's actually trying to find, like, a way to do something with it so wow. they don't get burned, you know? Wow. It's really cool. And we have this... um uh, policy now where no, we say don't destroy, donate. So even if something gets damaged when it comes in from uh, like a sea shipment, we uh, donate it rather than destroy, which is actually you wouldn't know, but most companies destroy them. Right. Well, and I had no idea that that was something that happened, right? All of this mm -hmm. is getting shipped over overseas, mm -hmm. like by boat, and your container can get filled with water it and sure damaged product like all sorts of things can yeah. happen and that just goes yeah. to waste and right? most people would end up just like tossing that and it's right. sad because there's a lot of people in the world that have nothing right yeah <laughs> um so kind of along the same lines how do you personally um like balance that that struggle of like i'm making more stuff like but i'm making slightly better stuff yeah or like i like how do you how do you make products that matter? Like, how do you reconcile yeah. that? So I think, oh my gosh, what a what a crazy question. That's a hard one. Because I do have this passion for apparel and things because it's the industry I'm in and it's the degree I pursued. But I honestly, I think about the factory a lot. To be completely honest, when I, we're working on new designs or we're going through prototyping, I think about them and I think about everything that we're asking them to do. And I have this like, image in my head of all of these factory workers that I've seen and you know breaking their backs to make all of this product for us that we're just gonna end up like wearing and then throwing away and I think about the fact that they're making those things but they'll never own it and I try to keep that in my mind when we're going through all the development process and I think it's a matter of really asking do we need that fourth proto do we really feel like that fifth iteration of that style is something that's like incredibly important and crucial to our line and if the answer is yes then yes we should do it but if the answer is like it doesn't really have a purpose and what is it doing then maybe we ask ourselves the tough question of do we go forward with it so just like being mindful of those things throughout the entire process and um you know making sure that you're trying to do recycled fabrics whenever possible when somebody comes to you with a crazy request of hey can you do that like tech a windbreaker can we do a fleece and you have six months to uh, develop it produce it and get it in, in the warehouse you say yes because like that's an incredible opportunity to build a product that stands for like all of those things so right yeah 
That's a great answer. Thank um, you. I don't know if there is like one single answer. It's something that is. everyone is struggling with right now too. So yeah. who cares about these things? Um, so what what excites you about where the industry is, and what excites you about being a part of Cotopaxi on this Ooh. journey? Um, I think what excites me about the industry and where it is is people are starting to talk more about what happens that you don't know of in the industry. You know, factory workers, meaning like trying to do fair trade as much as possible is really important. And unless you've actually like gone to a factory, you may or may not know that or understand. Um, And I think one of the cool things about being at Cotopaxi is being able to spread that word and having like a really cool voice behind it. And um, I honestly think we're starting to influence and inspire a lot of other bigger brands that you can do things differently you don't need to do that new color necessarily. You don't need to develop a new fabric. There's a million, and I honestly mean that, a million fabrics and trims out there. And if we're all creative people, we can find ways to use that to make something new that doesn't mean that you have to go develop something completely brand new or completely from like Virgin Poly or something like that. So I'm excited that I feel like we're, we're small, but I feel like on on a whole nother level, we have this really awesome story that we're telling, and I think people are starting to listen and pay attention. So I'm excited to see where it goes, and it's really fun to be a part of. That's awesome. Well, you're definitely on a rocket ship that just is yes. continuing to fly through the sky. Oh, I know. And it's so space. exciting. Um, <laughs> well, it's it's great to have you here. How do Thank we, you. like, if someone wants to get in touch with you or learn more about the company, obviously, Cotopaxi.com, yeah. social Totally. You can totally feel free to um, LinkedIn stalk me because I did that in order to get my job at Cotopaxi. I'm just Corey, (laughs) C-O-R-I, Williams. That's an easy one. And honestly, you, anyone can reach out to me. I may or may not be able to answer your email right away. Chase could probably vouch for this. Um, But I am just really passionate about helping people get where they want to. So if you ever want to reach out to me, find me on LinkedIn or send me an email and I'm happy to try to accommodate as best as possible (laughs) well great well thanks for taking time like this has been really fun uh learned a lot and we love cotopaxi yay cotopaxi so thank (laughs) you for everything you're doing and taking the lead and thank you pushing the industry to be better thanks So. so much for having me sure thanks for listening to the highlander podcast for more outdoor stories and content connect with us on highlandermag.com